Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's College Football with Sam, and I am dying for more college football. But the good news is, starting tomorrow night, when Utah hosts Florida and Minnesota hosts Nebraska, we get five straight days of college football, concluding with Duke hosting Clemson on Monday night. I did preview Nebraska and Minnesota already, and if you have not watched that video, I'm going to link it here in this video along with the description down below so you can watch it. However, today we're going to be talking about Michigan hosting East Carolina. This game will probably not be as entertaining as Nebraska against Minnesota, LSU, Florida State, Utah, Florida, or most other college football games. In fact, the, the odds makers in Vegas are favoring Michigan to win by more than five touchdowns. We'll get into the spread later, what I think about it, and who I think will cover. There's a possibility that both teams cover the spread here because Jim Harbaugh is not going to be the head coach on the sidelines for Michigan, and Sharon Moore will be suspended this game as well. Sharon Moore will be the acting head coach against Bowling Green in Game 2 against UNLV, Jay Harbaugh and Mike Hart will share the acting head coach duties. In this game, defensive coordinator Jesse Minter is going to be the acting head coach. And with Sharon Moore out, but he'll be back against UNLV and obviously against Bowling Green where he'll be the acting head coach, I presume that offensive play calling duties will be a run by committee type of thing where Mike Hart, Ron Bellamy, Grant Newsom, more likely than not Kurt Campbell, because he has offensive coordinator experience, will all share in drawing up a game plan and making play calls on the offensive side of the ball. As a Michigan fan who's a student, I'm taking some time off this year to focus on the channel and build what is obviously my dream job. And I love this very much. I love the sport of college football. I cannot wait to watch my university and a school who I have been a fan of since I was a little boy, take the field and play against the East Carolina Pirates. Sadly, it's only streaming on Peacock, but I will find a way, whether it's on Peacock or not, to watch this game, just like I will with most other Big Ten games as I cover the Big Ten Conference. This game is more interesting, in my opinion, than many would say because of the coaching suspensions, it's Michigan's first game, and Michigan throughout the preseason, their players have hinted at the offense being more explosive, more athletic, and also more pass-heavy. There's rumors, and I know that Steve Dace and other Michigan experts and channels and even just college football fans have proposed the idea or stated openly that they think that Michigan's run game will be less of a factor this year than in previous years, perhaps a significantly less important factor with Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson and Colston Loveland returning, who were some of the best receivers at both the wide receiver and tight end position last year, and most importantly, J.J. McCarthy returning and the offensive line returning Zach Zinner and Trevor Keegan and reloading it through the transfer portal with Drake Nugent, Ladarius Henderson, Miles Hinton, also returning tackles Carson Barnhart and Trent A. Jones, McCarthy will have players to pass to. And his passing mechanics have gotten better in fall camp, according to insiders. And also, if Donovan Edwards is healthy, 
fully healthy. He played with an injury last season. We know that he is a dangerous receiving threat out of the backfield, and he can also line up as a receiver. I'm curious to see how the staff functions without its offensive coordinator and its head coach, and how the roster works out as well. Because while Michigan is experienced, they were number three in all Power 5 teams in returning production. They're ranked number one in my personal rankings and my power rankings. And spoiler alert, they're ranked number six in ESPN's FPI and number two in both the AP and Coaches Bowl. There are high expectations for Michigan this season. And I think that Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia, and you'll hear me say this in Ohio State's preview and prediction video against Indiana that we'll release later today, those three are in my elite tier. I think those three teams are in their own separate tier compared to the rest of college football. And therefore, I am going to be invested in watching film in all three of those teams' games because I want to see how they look against everybody. And I think they will look great against everybody. Of course, preseason predictions can be proven to be absolutely worthless in the first week of the college football season. They can also be proven right, although often they're proved right, of course, at the end of the season or far down the line in the regular season at the earliest. But this game is interesting in my mind, especially since East Carolina's head coach has won a national title at James Madison in the FCS, and Mike Houston is his name, had his best team with East Carolina last year, going 8-5, and 4-4 and in the American. East Carolina only lost to Tulane, competed with NC State, only losing by one, nearly beat Navy, nearly beat Cincinnati, and then had a weird blowout loss to Houston, 42-3. to they beat Coastal Carolina in their bowl game, 53-29. to They also blew out South Florida, beat Memphis in four overtimes, and blew out UCF. UCF going 9-5 and and 6-2 and in the American under Gus Malzahn. So East Carolina does have a capable roster and a capable head coach. However, the game will be played in the big house. Michigan is a 36, a 36-point favorite. Now, that is not the biggest point spread in the world. I think Georgia was favored by more than 40 points to beat Missouri in 2021, though I could be wrong. But they're given a 94.8% chance to win, according to ESPN's FBI, according to my potential power index, which isn't outfitted for a group of five teams. That's not why it's in these prediction videos this season, though it will be in prediction videos for 2024 season, which I'm also excited for because of all the different changes like the 12-team playoff, the 18-team Big Ten, and the 16-team Big 12 and SEC, and potentially an expanded ACC conference as well. But to get back on topic, Michigan's a big favorite in this game. They went 13-1 and last year. They were the second best team in the country in my mind last season, maybe the third. I don't think there was an argument for them to be the fourth best team last year. East Carolina, 8-5. and five. At moments, they looked great. Obviously, they beat a near-top 25 team in UCF by double digits. However, they were inconsistent, as you would expect with a group of five team. They're ranked 72nd, according to ESPN's FPI. Michigan is ranked 6th. I don't know if East Carolina is underrated in FPI. 
I am fairly confident that Michigan is underrated in FPI. They're ranked nearly around the exact same value that Notre Dame is at, which I think is completely ridiculous. I think that FPI is overvaluing that win over one of the worst teams this season in the Navy midshipmen. But we'll figure out in week one if I'm somewhat right, completely wrong, because Appalachian State happened. You never know with college football. And then Montana, I think Montana State, happened against Washington in 2021. And there are always crazy upsets that happen every year. Michigan being favored by 36 is totally understandable, though. East Carolina, for example, lost a ton of their skill position talent last year. Their quarterback had a 151.1 passer rating in 2022 in Holton Achlers. But he's gone, and Mason Garcia, Mason Garcia in total, only having like less than 100 career pass attempts, only 38 to be specific, and a career passer rating of a 93 He'll be the starting quarterback at 6'5", 249. Also, in 2022, the Pirates did have a 1,000-yard running back and also a 1,000-yard receiver. Keaton Mitchell at running back and Isaiah Winstead at wide receiver. And a second 1,000-yard receiver in C.J. Johnson. Unfortunately for the Pirates, none of those players return. Rajai Harris is the projected starting running back, a junior. Josiah Hatfield, Jarrett Garner, and Jalen Johnson are their projected three starting wide receivers. Defensively, though, the Pirates do return some key components. Julius Wood led the team in total tackles with 87. He had four passes defended, two interceptions, and two forced fumbles. He is the team's free safety, a senior. This will be his final year, and he's a good player. He returns and he'll definitely be an anchor of the secondary. Another great player is Jeremy Lewis. Jeremy Lewis last season was second in sacks with four and a half. He had one pass defended and 60 total tackles. He'll be the best linebacker on the team. Um, I think that this defense does have some key players, but overall, Michigan has the advantage at every position. I mean, East Carolina is simply overmatched. Even without, even without Sharon Moore and Jim Harbaugh, Michigan has the staff advantage. I think that's clear as day. When you have Ron Bellamy, when you have Steve Klinkscale, Jesse Minter, Mike Elston, guys that have worked at the Power Five for years, for over a decade in the case of Mike Elston, for Steve Klinkscale, I think close to a decade, if not over a decade. And Jesse Minter has been a two-time Royals Award finalist, Kirk Campbell, the quarterback's coach, he's worked with Penn State before. He's worked with J.J. McCarthy this preseason. Mike Hart, one of the more underrated offensive coaches, running backs coach at Indiana and made their run game competent despite having no offensive line in 2019, 20, etc. And he's coached Michigan's best running back room in easily since Mike Hart was playing at Michigan under Lloyd Carr, if not before then, because Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are top four running backs in America. I think Blake Corum is the best running back in the country, and I think Donovan Edwards is at that number three, number two, number four, number five spot. Definitely a top five running back. The staff 
is Michigan's at quarterback. Michigan has J.J. McCarthy. McCarthy last season passed for 2,719 yards, 22 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and he had a 155 passer rating. And he completed 64.6% of his passes. He also was third on the team in rushing yards, rushing for 306 yards, 5 touchdowns, and averaging 4.4 yards per carry. Michigan in total gave up 17 sacks last season. 12 were taken by McCarthy. Michigan's offensive line, I think, is the best in the country this season, and the defensive line also has an argument for that. Going to skill positions on offense and defense, Michigan already has the number one running back room in the country at wide receiver. People say that I overrate Michigan's wide receivers, and that could be true, but Roman Wilson's athleticism is unquestioned. I nearly combined Roman Wilson's name and the word athleticism. Just bear with me here. Uh, Cornelius Johnson torched Ohio State last season. He's been consistent for the past two years, and with Ron Bellamy leaving, either him or Wilson or perhaps both will take huge steps forward. And Darius Clemens and Tyler Morris were four stars coming out of high school. Morris has had a great fall camp. Clemens is constantly referred to as a breakout player at wide receiver for the Wolverines. And at tight end, Michigan is Colston Loveland and also A.J. Barner, who transferred in from Indiana. Linebacker would perhaps be the closest point for both of these depth charts to meet. I think linebacker is the weakest spot for Michigan on defense, though it is still a top five linebacker room nationally with Junior Colson, Ernest Hausman, and also Michael Barrett, who all, I think, are all Big Ten caliber players. At defensive back, I think Michigan is the number one corner in the nation in Will Johnson. It doesn't look like he'll play, though, this Saturday. They're just precautionary measures since he did have surgery this preseason. But I think when healthy, he'll be the nation's best corner. So Michigan could be weaker there. And with experience at free safety and corner and defensive back for East Carolina, there is also the potential that these two rosters could be closer at defensive back than anticipated. And for special teams, Michigan has James Turner coming in from Louisville as kicker. Turner was one of the better kickers in the country last season. He will not replace Jake Moody, but he will be a great kicker. Not elite, but great. And with my anticipation that Michigan's offense is going to be elite this season and it's going to have massive upgrades, I don't think Michigan will need a kicker as much as they have in years past. Who are some players to watch in this matchup? For Michigan, I would say it's J.J. McCarthy. The rumors about his improvement as a leader, as a runner, most importantly outside of leadership, as a passer, and Michigan breaking in a new wide receiver one now that Ronnie Bell is gone, and also a new tight end number one as Luke Schoonmaker was taken by the Cowboys in the draft. I'm fascinated to see this passing attack. The run game with both running backs returning, Kalel Mullings being running back number three, and Benjamin Hall and C.J. Stokes behind Mullings and behind Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, we know the run game's going to be dominant. We know that. And the offensive line is familiar with Zach Sinner and Trevor Keegan, especially on the interior. Carson Barnhart and Trente Jones are familiar faces. And Ladarius Henderson, Miles Hinton, and Drake Nugent should get playing time as well. So the offensive line 
and the running back room, I, and I anticipate many of you are, the most confident in those positions. The question for Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has always been quarterback. It's almost always been the passing game. Even in 2017, when the Wolverine offense was an atrocity to watch, Michigan still had Karan Higdon, Chris Evans, and an offensive line that was decent at allowing the running backs to get through holes and have a solid run game. It was their passing game that truly killed them that year, along with Tim Drevno's disgusting play calling. But we'll get away from that. Watch out for J.J. McCarthy to potentially have a breakout game. If his accuracy has improved, especially his deep ball accuracy and his arm strength, he's gained weight. He's over 200 pounds now. I think that he could have a big game because teams are going to be trying to stop Michigan's run game, even though we all know well and good that only few teams in the country can slow down Michigan's run game, those being you know, Georgia, Ohio State probably, maybe Penn State if their defensive tackle room is improved, which I don't think it has, but there's a possibility of that. Hakeem Biaman and the players there did have a large range of Power 5 offers and were well-recruited out of high school. Maybe a team like Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota, Illinois with their elite defensive line. A lot of Big Ten teams could slow it down, and maybe Georgia and Ohio State with their talent could close to shut down the run game, but it would be hard for anyone to do, and I would pick Michigan to have a better chance at steamrolling every team in college football with their run game rather than even a handful of teams hoping to shut down their run game. That's how dominant I think the run game will be this year. That will open up opportunities in the play-action pass, and with Roman Wilson being the fastest wide receiver on the team, at least fastest starting wide receiver, and Cornelius Johnson being consistent, a disciplined, balanced route runner, I think that the passing game could explode, and I just can't wait to see J.J. McCarthy and how good he looks, because after TCU and also after Ohio State and Purdue, games that had a lot of ups and downs, I'm curious to see how he looks. A player to watch for East Carolina has to be Jeremy Lewis. Jeremy Lewis, we mentioned him earlier. He's a linebacker, a senior, 6'2", 237 pounds, 30 solo tackles, 60 total tackles, 4.5 sacks, and 1 pass defended. Last year, his biggest game, I would say his biggest game was against UCF, where he had eight total tackles and a half sack, four of them being solo tackles, in a 34-13 win. He also had half a sack against Cincinnati, a sack against Coastal Carolina, and another sack against Memphis, and also Tulane, and a half sack against Old Dominion. His lone pass defended came in a shootout win over Temple, 49-46. to He's a sizable linebacker. Four and a half sacks last year means he can get after the passer. Watch out for him to maybe test an offensive line that has new pieces in Drake Nugent, Miles Hinton, Ladarius Henderson. Watch for him to, to test the offensive line as the chemistry isn't at 100% entering this game. When you have transfers coming into a program, it's hard for chemistry to be right immediately in week one. 
it's a big challenge. It's why in my Minnesota and Nebraska video prediction, which if you haven't watched already, I'll link down below in the description, and also on the screen that you're watching right now will be a pop-up to watch that video. Please watch that video and like it if you haven't already. And also subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I release new college football content. It helps support the channel, and liking the video especially gets this video and consequentially this community and my channel into the algorithm. So thank you very much. I think that in regards to chemistry, it's hard to get it nailed in week one, especially with transfers, roster changes. It's why, again, I have Minnesota beating Nebraska. It's why I think with Florida and Utah, even with Cameron Rising potentially being out, the road game, the new quarterback, also that new quarterback being named Graham Mertz, a look of disgust on my face right now, why I think Utah's going to win big. Now, I could be wrong, and there are examples of teams that have a ton of transfers, like Michigan State in 2021, just immediately go on the road, face a Northwestern team who's favored to beat them, and they crush it. And from there, they crush it some more, and they end up going 11-2. and But I think that's very unlikely. And you even saw that last year with USC, where at times it took them a while to get things jump-started, and they improved as the year went on in some cases. And in other cases, they just flat-out didn't. But it varies from team to team. It's also why I think TCU is going to have a big blowout win over Colorado. Not that Deion Sanders is a bad head coach. He isn't, and I think that he will win multiple Big 12 titles. But this year, it's far too early with the amount of roster changes he's made to expect this team to come out and be cohesive and be a force against a team that is one of the better coached rosters in America in TCU. Watch out for Jeremy Lewis to potentially expose some of that uncertainty, especially since Sharon Moore won't be the OC. So play calling will look different. The offensive line may not be as motivated. Who knows? There's tons of factors, and week one is the week where we enter knowing the least amount of information possible. But despite all these things, my prediction is that Michigan covers the spread and they win 59-7. to They're going to start off their season with authority, and they'll have 250-plus rushing yards with Blake Corum leading the way, and Donovan Edwards picking up another few big plays through the ground and maybe one or two through the air. McCarthy will have a really good game. I think Michigan will show that, you know, who cares if Jim Harbaugh is suspended as long as it's for games against opponents where their roster and even their sole assistant staff without a coordinator is so much better than the opposing team that they just roll the Pirates. Now, I don't think that you should overlook any team, as I've said before in plenty of videos. You shouldn't overlook any team. And I don't think Michigan is going to overlook East Carolina. This team knows what it is like to overlook a team, watch the Fiesta Bowl last year against TCU, and they got smacked and beaten and embarrassed on live TV by the Horned Frogs. And then that Georgia game, the 65-7 to historical murder that will never be forgotten, you don't think that that rubbed it in for Michigan too? It definitely did. I think ECU is simply outmatched. 
They can bounce back and still have a solid year, though. There's no doubt about that. They play in the American. Michigan, by far, is the toughest team that they will face all year by a mile. ECU's schedule after Michigan is a home game against Marshall, a road game against Appalachian State, a home game against Gardner-Webb, a road game against Rice, food, hosting SMU in Charlotte, playing at UTSA and then hosting Tulane, which will be a tough two-game stretch, playing at FAU, Florida Atlantic, and at Navy, and closing out the regular season with a home game against Tulsa. Just by that schedule, I do see the East Carolina Pirates going bowling. I think Michigan starts off this season with authority, as I've already said. They'll be dominant through the ground, through the air. This defense will collect multiple turnovers and also probably two or three sacks, if not more. But I'm just going to say two or three because I expect Michigan to play conservatively against these smaller teams and with a, a Tech Mobile playbook. And I think that this will be the first game on Michigan's route to once again recapturing the Big Ten Conference. I want to give a shout-out to my patrons. We just had another patron join today, and if you're watching this video, my new all-conference patron, every week I will update these names. So as of this week, Spencer Bringhurst is our sole All-American patron. Thank you for supporting the channel. It's never required. The majority of my content and currently every video I make is on YouTube for free for you to watch. I love YouTube. In fact, I've never been demonetized for a video outside of my live streams, one of them, of actual college football games. But I had to find a way to diversify how I make income as I'm trying to make this my full-time job and pursue my dream of this YouTube channel. So thank you to Spencer Bringhurst for being our All-American patron, and thank you to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, and Roaming Gnome for being my three, in as of this week, three All-Conference patrons. Our new patron today is Matthew Sale, who just joined as an All-Conference patron about an hour ago. So thank you very much for joining. It means a lot. And if you haven't checked out my Patreon already, please do so through the link down below in the description, or just watch for a few more seconds in the end screen. We'll have a link to my Patreon as well. Thank you so much for watching. You can find me on Spotify as well, or Apple Podcasts, or any other type, really, of podcasts through the link in the description. Please subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I make more content and like this video so we can get it into the algorithm. I cannot stress that enough. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you around. Bye-bye.